everybody. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Live, coming to you on Friday afternoon. don't really have a firm agenda set, but I'm trying to do these regularly just because I know you guys are, are, are probably like me in that you, spend, you find yourself uh, thinking about the Mavericks more often than is uh, healthy for your brain. And at a certain point, there becomes a different outlet other than Twitter where things can get a little grumpy, a little dark. Um, and I just wanted to give people a chance to, to come hang out and maybe talk about some things and, uh, with what's going on with the Mavericks. As we know, uh, right now it's, uh, Friday, April 2nd, they play the New York Knicks tonight. I find this one to be particularly of interest for me just because the, the, I'm looking forward to hopefully Porzingis starting to kind of, uh, knock down a, a particular demon. Um, I published a preview last night for the game, and, and sometimes when I do this on Mavs Moneyball, I look at everything but the title, and um, the, the, author of the, ti- uh, the author of the post, uh, uh, Matt Gilroy, wrote three things as the Mavericks try to put the Knicks back under 500 where they belong, uh, and that has, has absolutely killed me, been thinking about it all morning, and it's something that I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to because... The Knicks are, are the Knicks tend to be one of these teams that just drive us absolutely crazy, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. All right, so we have a speaker request, my man Grant. What's up, Grant? What's up? Are you ready for the uh, Frank Nilakina seven three point made game? I mean, there's so many options with the Knicks. Like, <laughs> let's just let's just look at the different at the different guys that are going to potentially upset us. Uh, Julius Randle is 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 the headliner because Mavericks fans and Dallas area people have been thirsty for him since the beginning of time. So he he kind of stands out to me. You know, Frankie Smokes is another good one just just for for what you mentioned because you know the Mavericks could have you know they were rumored with him back into draft time. But who? What else do you have? Well, my reference to the Frankie Smokes was because uh, last season he, him and Dennis Smith took turns beating the crap out of us. <laughs> I think he beat the crap out of us at, in the AAC, and Dennis Smith beat the crap out of us in Madison Square Garden. Um, this is this is probably a Taj Gibson Mitch Robinson game, though. If I had to, uh, if I had well, to, Mitch, Mitch Robinson big... is is out. He broke his hand. Oh, he's out. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, well, so then, there's there's plenty of op, but it's like you look at their injury report. I'm actually googling, or I'm not googling. Um, he says uh, his foot. Yeah, foot. Sorry, he broke his. He hurt his hand earlier in the year. Um, it's like see if there's anybody else that's like out for them because they they have three or four guys listed as as day day to day. Um, it looks like Barrett is trending out, which is particularly interesting. Oh, Rose amazing. Rose is trending in. Um, and and Barrett is is somebody I'm I'm looking forward to watching because oh. I have always I've always viewed him and the things that that various draft people are, uh, told me about him he's like he he's just there's just something about him where he's not quite as up until this season because frankly he's had a fantastic mm-hmm. year he's not quite as good yeah, as a is. player that he played as like just just yeah. inefficient enough to be frustrating and this year he's really kind of taken it up a level and I, I'm looking forward to seeing. Who, how they play him, and then who guards him? Because this, just, like Dorian Finney-Smith getting the crap kicked out of him by another tall wing, is just something that that really, you know, uh, <laughs> it's just it's kind of it's kind of a deal, right? No, yeah, definitely. Um, Emmanuel quickly could have a, could have a break a game, but this is probably more of like an Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, Alfred Payton type type beat, especially Nerlens Noel. I know he wants to. Uh, I know he wants to make um, Rick look Rick look stupid. 
the ver- so so Dalton, uh, a friend of the show, Dalton Trigg is in the chat, and I bet he comes up and talks if he's able to at some point. He refers to them as versus Mavs All Stars, like, and there's a list yes. of like forty guys, and and the Nerlens one kills me because Josh Bow was so into Nerlens early on, like just the biggest Nerlens advocate, and like Josh isn't really a uh, he's not really a fan of players. It's he, he he tends to be fairly dispassionate. He was just convinced that Nerlens was going to be the next big guy, and then the hot dog thing happened, and then he got banished. For Rick Car- <laughs> like like well, the hot dog thing is a top five Dallas moment of the last ten. Oh years. yes, like it, absolutely. It just, it, and only diehards remember it too. Yes, well, and only even bigger diehards remember this. Nerlens Noel at the end of that season was actually phenomenal. He was real at the good. end of that season. He was phenomenal. He was one of the best defense. I mean, he was the best defensive center we've had since Chandler. He he was great. Uh, and then he he's shown spurts. He's you know, good coaching and, and playing time and understanding a system will will help that. And and he was he, like he was great here. We were just a terrible team. Like <laughs> I have nothing, to read. There is no way around it. Matt Phillips in the chat says, "Are we sure Josh Green didn't eat hot dogs?" <laughs> I like that. Probably. One. I like that one. But um, so so. You know the the Knicks game is something we could talk about here. You know they're the looking at their schedule. I I, I posted the title of the room just because you got to pick something. I said, Are, can the Mavericks make a run? Can we argue that the Mavericks have been on a run and that I'm just such a game to game panic monger? They've like they've definitely been on a run, but it's these it's these games where you lose two in a row to like the Pelicans, and then uh, who do we lose to before the Pelicans? Uh, uh, the- it was. Pelican, Indiana, uh, yeah, in, in Indiana. That Indiana game was pretty frustrating. Yeah, it's like we go and we beat the crap out of the Blazers. Uh, we 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 knock the mess out of the out of the Wolves after they start the game sixteen to three, and then we like drop two games because of resting in in Indiana and New Orleans, and then we're like, well, let's you know the when the Thunder when we played the Thunder, they rested Baisley, SGA. Al Horford's never playing for the Thunder again, and then Lou Dort. All of those guys missed the game, and that was the game where we were like, "Let's put Luca and KP out there." Yeah, like, like, come on, we could have done a little bit better at that. But um, I still, I still think we're gonna be fifth when it's all said and done. Um, Joker is making me look kind of stupid, but I think that I think the Nuggets are the only thing that gets in the Mavs' way of getting a uh, fifth place. Yeah, the Nuggets. I'm not sure if if, if you guys have seen this, but I saw like there was some five man lineup data. Um, the nugget, where is it? I'm going to go, I'm going to go find it. Cause this was just, is like it including, f- um, Aaron Gordon? Yeah. It's so the nuggets, the nuggets starters in 26 minutes, uh, last night, the granted you don't use uh, ratings for single games, but I think in order to make the point, this is, is something interesting. The starters posted an offensive rating of 131.3 and a defensive rating of 100. <laughs> yeah. like, their starters are just mowing people down. And in the mm-hmm. three games that that five man lineup actually has sixty four minutes together with a hundred and thirty two offensive rating and a ninety four oh defensive rating, <laughs> like that is not sustainable. But that is for the small sample size that is that is amazing. That's yeah, like record shattering. Because <laughs> the defense <laughs> is, is 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 sort of you know, and, and I've been arguing with people about this because. I think Gordon, if the Mavericks had the assets, which they didn't, if the Mavericks had the assets to get Gordon, Dallas would have played him very well. But I think he oh, yeah. really works well with a guy like Jokic in a way where he's going to be maximized. And 
a truly like magnificent way to watch because he's, well, a, he's a, such a good athlete. Jokic is so the ball just moves on Denver in a way that I wish it moved a little more on Dallas. Yes, um, AG is perfect for them because like I mean he opened the floor up completely for Michael Porter Jr. and I think that that's kind of why Michael Porter Jr. has been so up and down this year. But yep. in the few games where they've had him, where they've had AG, you know Michael Porter has been able to just get to the basket at will. It seems right. like. Well, Grant, I'm going to bring a couple more people on up. Right, yeah. um, why don't you come back up here in a little bit, all right? All right, yes, sir. Talk to you later. Right. Yep, thanks for coming on. Lance, what's going on today? What's going on, Kurt? Thanks for joining again. Oh, of course, anytime. I, I was surprised that you were starting this early. I'm used to be, you being a night owl or a reluctant night owl. Trying to do these on, on at least one day during the week, um, particularly tasting like good day, works a little slow. Probably not going to get yelled at if I disappear for 45 minutes, you know. All right, so I got a take here. Um, you know, I'm not really convinced the Mavs can, you know, the West is super tough this year. I mean, you can say that every year, unfortunately. But there's only one team, like, that I see, like, the Mavs that possibly could play in the playoffs if they do, wanna go, do go on a real run and stop resting their stars, like, even though they're not in a position to. Um, but if they play Portland in the first round, I'm going to go ahead and call it now. Dallas and five. I, just, I don't. I cannot take them serious. Why? That's fascinating. They, they, no, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. I take serious. I just cannot take the rest of that team serious. Like their defense what? is worse than Dallas, and they don't. They don't have any real wings or any real real wing defenders except for maybe Covington. Like that's the only well, person that gives Luca a problem on that team. Well, they they they, they they've increased. They've improved this a little bit from the last time I looked, but they're they're currently six in the West, and they have a negative point differential, but it's only by <laughs> point two. Um, but the map, you know, it's like you look at point differential is 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 for for people who are kind of unfamiliar, and and granted, everybody here probably is. Point differential is a good barometer of how good your team actually is. Um, I think we should have seen this back in 2007 whenever the Mavericks got smoked in the first round where like, their point differential was they played so many tight games and just won them all. And Portland's kind of done the same thing this year where there's there's some thought that, they, that there's regression coming, but I don't really see how in the sense of, you know, it's like Dame just will not let them lose. There's no data behind that I can say this other than the fact that the man's been a god whenever the it's been five, you know, Five points or less and five minutes or less in clutch time games. So I, but I, I like the take. I don't know. I think he sort of has the, the Mavericks number. If, if you look at, he's scoring something like thir- It's, it's absurd. It's like 28 or 32 points a game every time he plays and, Dallas. And that's true, Kurt. It's true. But look how close those, I mean, it's really like a lot of those games, the Mavs lose like obviously not the game before because they, they killed them. I mean, they beat them more than what the, the Portland has beat us in the last three or four games, but. Like, it's just like stupid mistakes that Dallas is making. Like they could easily patch that up. You know, that's why yeah. I just don't believe in them that much. Like it's not like Portland just. It's not like the Lakers were. You know, they just stomp the Mavs like mostly every time, and it's nothing really the Mavs can do just because the Lakers are a better team. I really think Portland, as as much as love as I as I give Dame, he's in my top five MVP, MVP candidates. I just cannot take them serious, man. I just can't. And maybe, maybe, I, maybe the five games is a little too much, but I definitely can see them losing to Dallas. Like, I'd be for it just for chaos reasons. You know, Matt points out in the chat it's like unlikely just because neither team is going to move up or down enough in the standings to right. to play each other. But I'd be for it just for fun's sake because they're good. I mean, 
I look at this, I look at the top four in the West, and if there's a team that I would like to play, it would it would probably be um, any team but the the Suns. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to play the Suns. The Suns upset me. The the I don't think the Mavs have won a series, a four, you know, a season series with the Suns since like 2015. It that sort of horrifies me. But you know, we are getting to that point in the season where we kind of got to start thinking about it. But that's also why I may, I, I titled the room. Uh, you know, can the Mavericks go on a run? And you know, they they they're they're four of their last six. And I was trying to do some math to figure out how many they've won because they finished out uh, January losing spot five straight, and then they lost on February first. And then since February third, where they finally turned around and beat the Hawks, they've lost. Let's see here: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. They've lost eight times, and they've won a lot more than eight times. Is 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 the point? And and because it. At that, when they played the Hawks, they were they were eight and thirteen, and now they are twenty five and twenty one. Um, so that would be let's just do some math here. That's seventeen and eight. Um, they've gone seventeen and eight, and that's pretty. I, I, I tease Grant about this uh, uh, on Twitter before All Star break, where he's like, oh, "I think the Mavericks can really finish out this with a certain record." I can't remember what it was, but it was like winning sixty six percent of their games, and that's a pretty close. Like like that's. That, looking at that now, like that's kind of what the Mavericks are doing, and I'm wondering, you know, with, you know, they have the Knicks here, they have Washington, who is just like like an engine of chaos. The Jazz are going to be a pain. The the Rockets they should beat. Then then Milwaukee they always play the Bucks well. San Antonio Sixers, you know, if, if there's there's some opportunities even before the 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 ten game stretch in May where they play. This is a riot to end the season. They they play. Uh, good lord! So starting uh, April 26th they play. The Kings, Warriors, Pistons, Wizards, Kings, Heat, Brooklyn, Cleveland, Cleveland, Memphis, New Orleans, Toronto, Minnesota. Like, my God, they could really go on a real streak if they manage to not do the thing that they tend to do, which is play, you know, these back-to-backs, which uh, we'll get, you know, that's just something we're going to have to figure out. But, uh, uh, Lance, you got anything else? Because I have somehow had, like, six speaker requests. Oh no! Uh, let the uh, let the uh, the crowd run loose, man. I'm just gonna enjoy it and sit back. Sure thing. Thanks for coming up. All right, everybody knows it's our favorite uh, over uh, overly positive, uh, uh, great man of the hour, Dalton Trigg. How are you, Dalton? Dalton. Dalton, did you forget to unmute yourself? No. Maybe Dalton went somewhere. Okay, Dalton, you can invite. I'll invite you back up later. All right, guys. Now the first. Uh, uh, the, the next guest is somebody who, uh, this will be my first time actually talking to him, even though he's been a staff member all year, is Talk. What's happening? Hi, Kirk. Glad glad you could join us. And, and you know, you and I have been talking all morning on Slack, but now we actually get to talk. So what's going on? Now, just looking at the, like you said, it's on trends to see if the mouse, uh, maps can go on around, but the data is all over the place because the things they do, you know, you have like, I'm looking at less than games, and they have like in 10 games by percentiles, you know, they have like 1, 2, 3, 4, like 590 above percentile offensive games. Mm-hmm. And then you have clunkers in the 10s, you know, <laughs> so because because they played OKC with like nobody and then New Orleans when they sit Porzingis and uh, Luca and then Indiana and all, uh, Luca set. So their data is like all over the place. You cannot figure out what these guys are doing. But, it's... I'm looking at some of these games, and so you know we're playing the back-to-back right right now, front end to one. 
They play the the the, the Knicks and and the Wizards. And you just know they're going to sit one of these two guys tomorrow against Washington. And that sort of stuff drives me nuts because I would much rather them at this point not give Utah any more tape, play them both, and then, you know, let them have from, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, like three days in a row off. Like, do something like that. Like, I don't – it's not tanking, but it's just at this point in the season, you know, you don't – there's no real value in, in, in giving Utah more tape about what you do. And instead, I think what the Mavericks will do is try to get away. You know, I've not seen injury report stuff yet. I don't think either Luca or KP are, are sitting tonight um, because it's yeah, a I think KP will play. <laughs> oh, it's a national TV game too. Yeah, and the yeah. NBA has been very harsh on that. But if like, the Wizards, like Russell Westbrook, is single handedly capable of just destroying the Mavericks, so I, I hope mm-hmm. that they play that that at least one or both plays tomorrow night. And I think tonight will be interesting because these teams, like you said, in point differential, they are quite close. So Dallas is 11th and New York is 14th. And they're like the opposite teams. So uh, New York is like uh, number five, uh, or I think it's number, number four overall defense and 24 offense. And Dallas is the opposite. So it's nine offense, 25 defense. And last last two weeks, New York is number two defense and Dallas is number three offense. So we'll see what happens because Dallas has these tendencies to play down to competition. They so do. If they start to fool around, I think it will be a tight game and then we will see another thing like against Boston. So that's going to be interesting to see if they learned anything because in the Boston game, to me, they laid an egg then in the last five minutes, but I think they almost lost the game in the first three minutes of the fourth quarter when Luca and Tim Cardaway Jr. were just fooling around on defense because they were up like by 15. If they would close the game then, it would be much easier to win it at the end. Well, and I, I think Tim Hardaway is kind of a secret candidate to go nuts against the Knicks <laughs> because he he very rarely has back to back bad games, um, and he shot the ball so terribly against Boston, and it's his old team. You know, he seems to like to play there. Like Hard, Hardaway is probably going to be. It wouldn't shock me if you know when when I when I do one of these in post game later tonight if if Hardaway is the guy that that you know has like thirty three points on you know fourteen shots something like that. Yeah, we'll also see how what they will do with Porzingis if they will yeah. go out of their way to feed him. And yeah, well, especially they're... by sitting in the fourth it's, it's the last game, it's it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, and and he's been very in- he Porzingis is such a fascinating player. Josh Bow uh, in in our Mavs Moneyball Slack has I, I'm just gonna put this stat out into the universe. He's been calling uh, Porzingis the new Josh Howard, and for longtime Mavs fans, Josh Howard's first quarter scoring from 2003 to 2008 or whatever, was always preposterous. He would go out and just get buckets, and then he really wouldn't score much the rest of the game. Porzingis is obviously better than that, but he's just had that kind of streak early where the Mavericks have been getting him going early, and I think it's it's had that downhill effect the rest of the game where he feels a little engaged. I was very frustrated with his lack of usage against the Celtics in the fourth, and I'm glad that it didn't come to bite them, because as much as I crack on KP... He's got to be more than a, than a gravitational force. He's got to be yeah. involved in moving around because he just causes the defense to panic when he's doing that. So To, to me, the interesting part is that Carlisle, for example, to win the games, he started to sit him in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. which to me it's very interesting because, on the other hand, they don't want to play him like they in the back-to-back, so they're like looking at the long term. And yep. I thought if they will sit Porzingis, that that will happen. I, I don't know. 
in some like fourth or fifth or sixth game in the playoff series, not in the regular series against Boston. So to me, it shows that Carlisle, on one hand, he just wants to win games. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's the, to me, that was the surprising part, that they started this tactic because it will happen in the playoffs. The teams yeah. will go small. So I was expecting this to happen, but not so soon in the season. Well, and, and Carlisle, Carlisle's gamesmanship, like his big picture strategy, can sometimes – you just got to win the dang game. And, <laughs> and it's like he's, like he's thinking ahead to what's going to happen in June, and it's like, we're not there yet, guys. Got to get there first. Please win the game. Oh, well. Well, yeah. all right, I've got like seven people waiting to, to come Take up. So you got anything else? Thanks for coming on. No, no, it's okay. Oh, and, and everybody in the chat, uh, Iztok has turned in a, a, a marathon of an article that we're going to run on Monday about the Mavericks offense. So you will have that to read on Monday instead of doing work at your jobs. So everybody, thanks for coming up, Iztok. We'll uh, have you on again soon. Yeah. Bye, Kirk. All right. Uh, coming up next is Paymon. What's happening, my man? <clears throat> hey, Kirk. How you doing? Not bad today. Good. Well, listen... I think the Mavs can go on a run, but I will be an anxious disaster if we have to play in that play-in tournament oh, with God, an inferior yes. opponent. Um, so I saw somebody on, on Twitter ask Brad, Brad Townsend, uh, you know, is there any chance of us avoiding the play-in? And, you know, he, he brings up our back-to-backs. Um, you know, our schedule, the quality, of I guess, of our opponents makes it look like we can definitely go on a run here. I guess one thing that's like um, kind of in the back of my mind that I'm worried about is uh, Rick or the organization really deciding to rest some of like Luca and KP or both or either or on some games where it's like, oh, we could probably, you know, beat the, beat, the, beat this opponent. So I think I think that's the one thing on my mind where I'm like, oh, that could that like I, I'm wondering how much that's going to be a factor uh, moving forward. Just the, avoiding the plan. I mean, that has to be their number one goal and then some. When you look at kind of the breakdown of the West, the Mavericks are still three and a half games back from the from the Blazers. They have a lot of work to make up. And as, as Istok pointed out, and as we're all kind of talking about in the chat, um, uh, Taylor just noted it, the, the Mavericks are playing like a team that is in, that is in a, a different place in the standings than they actually are. And, and that kind of – that always drives me nuts. I know that they have to protect the health of their players, but – I went off on, on kind of a, a post-game rant about this where, where half the chat disagreed with me. I don't, I'm less worried about these guys getting injured. You know, these guys meaning Porzingis and Luca. I'm less worried about these guys getting injured from overuse. I'm worried about them getting injured because Luca is still, ha- still probably three years away from being in kind of the, the needed physical shape. He's a young man. He, it's, it's hard to learn these things. You're... You know, he's been a professional basketball player forever, but he's still got a lot of work to do on his body. And Lord knows Porzingis is just a constant work in progress. There's talk that people were telling me in the in the chat and then on Twitter, it's like, well, we don't know what kind of stuff he's working on behind the scenes. 100% accurate. But I do know that when there's a game every other day for two months, there's not a lot of time to do any of that. It's hard to work on his biomechanics when he's in constant recovery mode. So I don't know that this sort of thing, the sixth seed is, is gotta be, it's gotta be the team's number one goal because right. getting that extra rest would be huge. And I don't want to play the Pelicans. The Pe- like, do you, the Pelicans are for like, they've, they figured out that, that Zion can play just enough point guard 
to result. I mean, granted, they lost to the Magic last night, which was a riot. But they're they're you know when they get going, particularly against a team like Dallas, they're they're hard to beat. You know, the, the reason we beat them early in the year is because Porzingis went bananas on offense, and so did Luca. But in that game, uh, I'm pretty sure Porzingis still had a negative net rating. Um, it, it's 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 pretty it's pretty frustrating. Um, all right, you got anything else? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna bring on somebody else. No, go go okay. ahead. We got, I know we got a lot of people in here. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming up again. Anytime. All right, let's see here. Coming up next, we have Christian, who's been waiting a bit. Christian, what's up? Hey, what's up, Kirk? How you doing? Pretty good. So uh, I just wanted to mention something. I think it kind of ties into can the Mavs make a run? Um, I was, uh, you know, talking with, uh, or I tweeted at Dalton on one of the pieces he had during last game. And one thing I think we should do is, I know it's frustrating at times, but, you know, Luca and KP's chemistry hasn't been there this season. And so I think when it's conducive to winning, so I'm saying when we have a healthy lead or, you know, it's kind of in the flow of the game, I like to see Luca get KP a bit more involved. Um, just for the simple fact, and my rationale is this, ultimately, we're going to go as far as those two take us in the playoffs. Sure. And if we get bubble KP back at any point, especially leading up to that, we can actually make a run, let alone, you know, both in the season as well as in the playoffs. So I wanted to see what your thoughts were about that. And again, with the kind of caveat of, you know, don't just force feed him when he's playing like crap and, you know, we're we're about to lose a game if we do that. But if basically when it's possible, make sure we get him in his rhythm, kind of get that chemistry going between those two and uh, try to do what we can for those two to really uh, get going and, you know, take a leap and really go into the play. So if you'll remember – one of the earlier one of these locker rooms, we talked about KP's comments on an Instagram live post that he had. He essentially wrote, I'm doing what I'm asked to within the offense. And a lot of what he's asked to do is stand there. And that's that really allows Luca. And basically, you know, Hardaway's gotten a couple of these like Porzingis's gravity causes defenses to panic. I I'm not sure. You know, there's clips and there's things every game where you could see sort of Luke like, like the I don't want to call it the the budding lack of chemistry, but just odd things that are super easy to read into. Then uh, there's an instance. There's a really cool jump pass. Luca got doubled at the start of the game against the Celtics on the right side. Porzingis cut from the far corner. Luca throws him a jump pass that that gets KP an easy one handed dunk. I think. And I don't know how they, they do this, but they have to find more opportunities earlier in the game with KP on the move at the rim from Luca. I hate the post-ups. I just do. We all kind of feel different ways about it, depending on who's posting up. That's that's a, It's a different style of thing. That's what I would like to see more of earlier if they can. I know Porzingis doesn't really like rolling. I also think that there's enough in the offense uh, to where KP sort of, he has the option to read and he chooses to stay out there in a lot of respects. And, and I think he would like to shoot that three, you know, Josh Bowe has talked about, I don't understand how they don't get at least like three baskets a game 
from Luca driving, you know, on a pick and roll and basically throwing a one-handed bounce pass back to KP at the top of the key because he's just standing there open. So there's a, there's a lot of little things they can do, but but the, the the real challenge is finding a balance between working Porzingis into the offense at, as part of the flow versus working Porzingis into the offense as a part of making him feel good. And they, you know, making Porzingis feel good is less important than winning the game. So it's it's very it's a fine line, and I think they 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 only get there by continuing to play together. And I don't feel like with these rests and back-to-backs and things like this, they don't get a chance to build on momentum from game to game. Hopefully they will this, you know, the winning the Celtics game was something hopefully they can go out and beat the crap out of the Knicks. So, all right. Well, I appreciate you coming up. I'm going to bring on somebody else. So hopefully we'll see you after the game, Christian. Um, all right. Coming up next is Henry. Henry, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, Kirk? Um, going to keep it short because a lot of people are waiting to speak. Um, can the Mavs make a run? I'm, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm not really seeing anything that suggests we can. I mean, especially with, you know, KP kind of being so inconsistent. Would I love to see Luka, like, put the whole team on his back and beat a three or four seed? Yes, that would be awesome. But, I mean, on the flip side of that, though, given everything that's gone on this season, I mean, good Lord, we were 9-14 and 14 at one point. The fact that you know, we're still even in the hunt right now. I can I can say, you know, with this kind of weird season that it's been a success of some point, of some uh, of some kind. Well, when I say make a run, I probably should have been clearer, but I only have a like a character limit. I'm more wondering, can they can they march up the standings? Can they be a four, five, six? Oh, I, as, I, I, I resigned what? us to the playing tournament already. So okay, all right, that's interesting. See, I still think they can make a run. Uh, there's just enough volatility at the top that may schedule I read earlier. They might have, they might really be, you know, I think they're looking to avoid the play in tournament. They have to be, um, they, they thought this team earnestly was a top four team in the West. They, you know, from what Mark Stein has said on some of his locker rooms that the Mavericks figured they'd be in a different place. And I, I think the COVID as a, you know, COVID and the blizzard, play a big part but as they get further away and as they settle into the weaker part of the schedule there's just enough losses like that that second Oklahoma or the the second Oklahoma City game is is a good one um and then really you know maybe this Pacers game to an extent they've had enough of these like losses where they're going to look back on the season and say ah we should have been better so I, I do I, I really do think they can do something, but I understand why you feel that way. It's funny that you said I, that you hate to be that guy. That's kind of my being that guy is kind of my social media role where people are, are not happy with the fact that I'm, I'm mildly critical. But uh, I appreciate you coming up. Do you got anything else? Uh, I just had one other quick question for you. I mean, the way that they're resting KP and Luca like this, does that suggest that they're trying to move up in the standings? Like, I, I, I mean, I'm just as confused on the strategy as everybody in here is, of course. But, I mean, does that suggest that they're trying to move up the standings doing that, especially with the, you know, top three easiest schedule? Sure. They're trying to have their cake and eat it, too, and it hasn't worked. Every game they've sat Luca, I think they've lost except for one. Um, and, and that is, is, this is frustrating. Uh, the challenge that I run into as, as sort of a, a fan fan analyst, I'm not really media in the sense of, cause I don't go to the post game stuff. I don't really, and I don't want to talk to the players. It's not really of interest to me. I'm not interested in what the Mavericks have to say because they do the same thing that, you know, 
politicians do, which is get up, filibuster, misdirect. They don't have any interest in telling the story of what's actually happening other than the positive things. They have an interest in selling a, 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 a narrative. And they're really trying to, to, to skirt the line. And I, I, I have to balance being a grump with understanding that it, you know this is still a business and they're trying to move forward on things. But I, I just, this season, I hope, isn't one that we look back in three years and say, man, 20, 2020, 21 was a season where we could have done something and the Mavericks didn't. So I understand why you feel that way. All right. Uh, Xavier's been waiting patiently. How are you, Xavier? Hey, can you hear me? Yep. You sound great. All right, man. I had uh, two points that I just kind of wanted to throw out there and see what everybody was thinking. Um, one of those things is um, it comes to a certain point where, I feel like something has to give with all these super teams and their ability to just have the kind of pick of the litter when it comes to filling out their team. You get these Lakers, these Brooklyn Nets and things of that nature, and you have guys who get, you know, the MVP candidates, and then they get the pick of the litter with the role players. And then when there's buyouts, they have the pick of the litter of those guys as well. At a certain point in time, it feels like the NBA needs to step in and create something that allows a little bit more balance. Like it's okay that you can fill out your roster a little bit, but you're basically getting great players on excellent contracts just because they're willing to take less money to come play for a super team. When when you say fill out the roster, are you are you referring to free agency or the like buyout type stuff? All of it actually. So free agency, trades, and the buyout markets. So I want to address the buyout thing first. I heard this this morning. This is factually true. So the last five years, the two teams that have attracted and signed the most buyout candidates are actually the Bucks and the Cavaliers, which is, is really interesting to hear. And I didn't know that. But it makes sense because essentially both of those teams have been, you know, the, before LeBron left, it was the source because guys were ring chasing. Uh, so right. for the deadline stuff, I think it's a little bit overblown. For the free agency stuff, I would really like them to see them get rid of conferences. It'll never happen. The the, mm. the Eastern Market guys are too uh, uh, they're they're too married to their you know sub five hundred teams making the playoffs and then getting that those two games of revenue or whatever it is. But I think that could solve some of this a lot more than any sort of you know, market uh, manipulation in, in, in terms of balancing with, with what kind of, you know, uh, non-coastal teams do. You know, Kirk Goldberry's article was kind of interesting. But really, it, it takes teams running things better. Um, let's just use right. the Mavericks as, as an example. Um, I love this team, but they have made so many easy mistakes the last 10 years that drives me nuts. I mean, Mark Cuban let Tyson Chandler go twice. You know, he wasn't there for the Darren Williams meeting. And when Darren Williams is saying, I, that upset me and was a factor in why I didn't sign here. So really, it, it, the margin for error on these non-coastal teams is different. I mean, the Lakers were a mess for six years. The Lakers are still a mess. LeBron James exists. That's what's different. The Knicks have been bad forever. Um, it, it's, I, I do think that, that, you know, the, the formation of these guys wanting to pair up, you know, if the Nets win it this year, KP's not, or Kate, uh, Kevin Durant's not going to be any happier. 
because it, it's the same sort of, you know, b- a bought, not built type thing. That that rubs these guys wrong. They say they want to win a championship right up until they do, and then they're told that championship isn't as valid. It's kind of unfair. I, I see why they don't like it, but I'm not sure if there's much they can do, you know, uh, uh, in terms of changing the rules because it's such a moving target. Um, right. You know, we, we, I hope that the Mavericks become a team where players would, would want to go. And now I don't necessarily think that's the case. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> seem like that's happening anytime soon. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the other point that I had is on a much lighter note, a much friendlier note. I'm, I'm starting to notice uh, with the year over year growth of Luca, it seems like he's, he's further along in developing his kind of killer mentality. Like it's like he refuses to lose so much so that the guy who was shooting like under 10% from three is suddenly skyrocketed up. And and it just seems like now he's becoming this kind of unstoppable force almost. Um, And I'm, I'm just kind of like really looking at it like, wow, this could be something really special come playoff time. If he's able to kind of keep up that same kind of trend where he's just lights out from three. Did yesterday I, I I did some data digging. If you eliminate the first four games of the year, which were all in 2020, those December games, he shot 39.5% from three since January 1st. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what the ceiling is for him because it's almost too easy. He's not getting to the rim like he used to. His free throws are down both in terms mm. of, of actual attempts, and then he's been kind of a mess from the line for like two months. Yeah, he's been yeah, missing a little bit. It seems like he can never have his free throw percentage high and his three-point percentage high. One of them Which makes has no sense because free throws and three-point line shooting are like correlated in real, in yeah. real ways, and I don't get it. It's funny. It, I don't know what the ceiling is. Like I keep thinking of that ridiculous Michael Jordan quote from a long time ago, like the ceiling is the roof. Yeah. Like, <laughs> This guy is so talented, but I, I, I don't know that Jeff Van Gundy on the game the other night talked about how the Mavs had done such a good job surrounding him with the right kind of guys. And I'm like, what team are you watching, Jeff? Really? Like, yeah, you can always tell when the, the announcers don't really watch the team that much like, <laughs> when he, they start he, saying that. He and Porzingis work a lot better on paper and they do work really well together because there's a lot of like just things that occur because both of them are on the floor at the same time. But they're they're, this team maximized is something I kind of have a hard time envisioning because I'm not sure who the right kind of guys are to play. I really waffle where I want them to have another ball handler, but then I also want them to have more shooting. It's it's somebody made the comment of, of what if you like put Luca in place of Shea Gillius Alexander on that thunder team, like how good would they be? And these are the sort of thought experiments I really enjoy because he's just so he's just so good. It's the the playoffs are bound to be interesting so long as I really just don't want them to play. Um, I don't want them to. Who did the I Suns? say earlier? I don't want uh, them to play the Suns. Uh, Chris Paul and is yeah, you know, Luca's going to get to that point because he's, <laughs> he's a killer. You're right about yeah. that. Because but Chris Paul is even worse. Like he's an angry old man killer, and and yeah, I just exactly. I don't want to play that. He's dude. a he's a vet killer. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got the experience to go along with the mentality. Ugh, so yeah, it's a little lot. different for him. Plus, I mean, every time uh, Booker plays the Mavericks, for some reason, it's like, oh, okay, he's about to score 50 in his sleep. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> so, that, yeah. I still can't like Luca on the if the Suns had drafted him, I think the Suns would be just kind of at, at like world beaters at this point. Um, yeah, but thank you for coming up. You got anything else? No, that's it, man. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. All right, I'm going to do a couple more folks, and then I'm going to have to get back to work. Uh, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, Kirk. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for coming up. Absolutely. So I kind of wanted to circle back. Um, I know we've gotten off of it, but the Boston game the other day sure. where uh, KP sat for, I think, 10 of the 12 minutes, I, I perfectly understand Rick's logic behind it because – you see the lineup Boston has. It's a bunch of small dudes, and Porzingis struggles in space against small dudes. Like, I definitely get that. But do you think there's going to be any takeaways from, you know, by Carlisle from this game? Because despite his idea that it was bad for their defense to have KP out there, without K- essentially without KP out there, they scored 35 points in the quarter, mm-hmm. and almost all of it at the rim. I disagree with what Rick did. I the the basis of their defense is a lot of drop coverage stuff, and they mm-hmm. they met, they went small to match the Celtics, and instead the Celtics just marched to the rim. Like Jason Tatum um, is such. I mean, number one, that man is enormous. He is a legit six ten, and they had nothing. They were doing nothing. They just got lucky. They like he missed that dunk. He missed a couple of layups. Like that Boston Boston had opportunities, and they just didn't take advantage. So I'm not. This is where I, I mentioned Rick's gamesmanship earlier. This this sort of stuff happens with him, and I'm just glad it hasn't caught the Mavericks in the in the butt more. Uh, though I do kind of feel like it has enough. Um, it they're going to have to at least try to play him in space because Porzingis is moving so much better than he was six weeks ago. Oh yeah, but I still want him to. I would rather see him in those minutes, and if he gets beat. You know, it, it, he's seven three. When he he sometimes refuses to put his hand up, like on contesting distance shots, which drives me crazy. But I, w- <laughs> I, I would I would much rather him like see and then you know try and fail versus not even get an opportunity. Does that make sense? Because if if the Mavericks have some tape of him and he's just you know the the Celtics that they were bombing seventeen footers or three pointers and making them and Porzingis is challenging late, you live with that over some of the rim looks. Because the rim looks the Mavericks were giving up were murderous. Real bad. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, as much grief as sometimes, especially earlier this season, I mean, Porzingis is still very good at defending the rim. And I, I just think that, I mean, just kind of it's another example of Rick trying to get too cute and almost outsmarting himself. Because, I mean, it's not... I guess Maxi kind of is, although he's he he looks tired right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like it's not like we have a a Draymond type of guy for us to go small with that you know he can keep guys off the boards, he can still play big and protect the rim, but also switch on to almost anybody else. Right. And like I said, I guess Maxi's probably that guy for us, but I mean he he needs a break. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I I agree, and I'm not really. I just hope they figure something out because it's it's you know for a 15 person roster they they need to they need to steal a few more minutes here and there for all these guys and and mm-hmm. Rick just doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. You know, two minutes like like three minutes of Josh Green didn't hurt the Mavs the other night. 
I would like to see three minutes of Tyler Bay playing, you know, even if it's a smaller lineup, at least you have somebody who can jump and has like a wild wingspan. They just have to start doing it. And maybe, you know, some of these games against weaker teams or opportunities. I, I don't know if he will. I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between the front office and what they envision and what Rick actually wants to put out on the floor. Cause he's an absolute control freak, but you know, what do you do? <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming up here. I'm going to invite uh, a couple more people up. All right. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. All right. Coming up next is Maurice. I love that jersey, man. That's a good-looking jersey in your profile photo. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound good. All right. Thank you. Because uh, I'm driving. I don't want the audio to be too bad. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to touch on something that uh, kind of the conversation you had with Xavier when uh, you talked about free agents not coming here. As somebody who's not a native of Texas, uh, a mad fan that's this place. What do you think is uh, one of the reasons or the main reason why it's so hard for free agents to come to a big market like uh, the Dallas Mavericks? Oh, I'm glad you asked this question. I'm also glad it's 45 minutes into the podcast. So uh, the, the the further it goes, the less likely I am to get in trouble for saying something stupid because people don't listen to the whole podcast. Uh, the first, the, the, there's a lot of answers to this. The first answer is Dallas owner Mark Cuban. For as much as he is an asset, he is also a problem. Frankly, that man has made comments over the years, and players and agents have long memories. The AAU comments that he made in Luca's rookie year were really terrible and very uh, – I mean, I don't think he understands this because he's a man in his 60s, but they were coded. And, you know, you make coded racist comments, people remember that stuff. Then he's made some actually outright inadvertent recent comments. I mean, there was five years ago, I think, where he made – Something about how if he saw a guy in a hoodie, black guy in a hoodie, he would cross the streets. Like, it stands like people remember those things. And and then there's the fact that he's kind of always out promoting himself. I think that turns players off. There's no other NBA owner that does this stuff. I, I get yelled at about this, but it's just it's true. There's no one else. And so those things are, are, are negatives about Cuban that, that – but they're not the end of the world. If the money's good enough and the situation's good enough, guys are going to overcome it. But then there's the second thing. And I think it's Dallas coach Rick Carlisle. Um, he has a little bit of a reputation that is earned. Some of it's a little unfair, but it's earned. Um, I don't love how, you know, the, there's, there's a misremembering of recently on, on Mavs social media about what happened with Rondo. Um, and it, it, but using it as an example, he butted heads with a very, with a very, you know, uh, good player is the bottom line. And those sorts of things, you know, you, you add Cuban and Carlisle together, and then you add a guy like Luca. Who, if you're going to play with Luca, you kind of need to fit Luca's style. And so, I, I think that that those things all put together make Dallas not quite as appealing of a market as the Mavericks like to paint. Now, right, you know, guys in the right mindset that want to play the right way, and if really if Dallas can sell somebody else and Luca, frankly, on getting the ball out of his hands a little bit, I think there's there's still a lot of opportunity for players. But it's those things are, are not going to outweigh the fact, you know, they're not next to an ocean. They're not in Southern California or, or, or South Beach. So those things just, just they, they, they add up and, and it's enough, I think. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand what you're saying, especially um, in regards to Cuban's comments, because I remember one time, I mean, granted, we were never going to get this player, but he made a comment about Kobe saying the Lakers should uh, back when the amnesty clause was a thing. Yes. Said, oh my God. And that they should amnesty, they should use the amnesty clause on Kobe Bryant. 
because he's getting paid too much money. Or uh, I think we played OKC in the playoffs not long before Kevin Durant was about to become a free agent. And uh, I think Cuban made comments about uh, Russell Westbrook. And yes, in the press did. conference, after, they, uh, KD and Westbrook did a uh, press conference together. And KD said he's an idiot. Uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And I'm like, look, if we were ever going to have a ca- chance at KD, it's probably gone now. So mm-hmm. uh, that's over with. And, uh, and it's comment, just enough. It's, you know, like Steve Ballmer is a bloody moron. He dances in the right. press box and is, is kind of a lunatic. He's also like one of the five richest men on the planet. <laughs> so it, it, they're all the, you know, Dolan is a horrible owner. And, and, you know, the Lakers were a train wreck for years. They, they had like one of their, their back office bartenders as a scout. Like they, every team has something, you know, the, the right situation of events can really, you know, turn a blind eye to some of the history that has happened. But I, I think that, that to answer your question, there have been there are just enough small things that that you know probably consciously and then subconsciously weigh weigh on these things. Then there's how the Mavericks approach free agency period, which seems to be they get like this short list and then they don't talk to anybody else. I don't know, it drives me nuts. They, uh, I think a lot of what Darren Williams said about um, Mark Cuban missing the free agency meeting and Donnie Nelson's pitch is basically trust me as if they're getting into it. They're going on a date or something. Horrendous uh, pitch. Trust me I, is a terrible, terrible pitch. Terrible pitch. <laughs> Especially when you have an aging Dirk Nowitzki and really not much else on the team. Uh, I probably shouldn't trust you with anything, <laughs> but uh, I think that's going to come back to really bite us in the ass eventually because players are going to hear that and they're going to think, well, it's the, is this the way they're still carrying themselves on free agency? Like, uh, I, I think fans have this misconception that players are just want to gonna come play here because Luca's a great player, but it's yep. definitely more. Than that. Yeah, and I honestly think it's gonna take Luca when he hits twenty three, twenty four, maybe kind of verbalizing some of this stuff in a more forward facing way. You know, you watch LeBron James, who is just constantly selling. That man is right. laying – he's just laying opportunities to where if the right thing comes up three years from now and, you know, because LeBron will play till he's 50, you guys are going to be interested in that just because – and, and I think that sort of charisma and that sort of thing really matters. And the Mavericks, you know, Dirk never did this, much to his detriment, but granted it wasn't really a thing at the time. I think Luka needs to be doing it a little bit more, you know – Maybe Porzingis might, but I mean, I, as much as, as as you know, I'm trying to I'm trying not to be quite so critical of Porzingis lately. But Porzingis is very interested in Porzingis. Um, it's it's just it's kind of a tough it's a tough deal. I'm not super negative about free agency yet, just because you know money fixes a lot, and the Mavs are going to have some. Uh, so so, but uh, you know, I think it's a good question and something to be thinking about. You got anything else for us? Uh, not much, except for the fact that uh. I kind of mentioned this on my podcast with Bibbs, but nobody really wanted to play with LeBron his first stint in Cleveland because it was Cleveland. It wasn't until his second stint where he proved they could actually win and build a team where yes. players were actually willing to take less money to come there. So maybe that's what it's going to take for the Mavericks. We'll see. Plug your podcast before before you get on before I bring somebody else up. Uh, yeah, I have the uh, Mavs Outsiders podcast with my friend Michael Bibbins. We release it every uh, Sunday and sometimes Monday, so definitely look out for that anywhere you find your podcast. Very good. Thanks for hanging out, man. I appreciate it.
Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Yep. All right. Coming up next, we got one last person, and then I'm going to go. Uh, Jesse, what's hang- What's going on? What's up, Kirk? How's it going? Oh, it's it's okay. I feel good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, to answer the original question, can the Mavs make a run? Like, I think the biggest thing is, is Carlisle going to act like they're trying to make a playoff spot or that they've already made the playoff spot and they're resting? Because, like, you look around the league – how many 25 and under players are sitting on back-to-backs and how many times are, are we just sitting and resting to get a play in and lose? Like what, what are you resting that for? So I think they're really going to have to start playing on some of these, maybe not every back-to-back. we got a lot of back-to-backs coming up, but uh, maybe half the back-to-backs play through, maybe manage their minutes a little bit better. I think, you know, if players – want their stats, it's like, do you want your stats or do you want it to, to, to make it to the playoffs and win? So that's really like you can play them 20 minutes a game. There's no reason why they're playing 35 minutes every single game if and then just not playing them at all and taking scheduled losses. So I think it's really going to come down to how many back-to-backs they actually play. And, and then if they can get into that sixth spot, you know, the Lakers may actually fall. I don't think we're going to catch up to Portland or Denver, but I do think that the Lakers can fall far enough uh, to where we can catch up with them. I know that they're higher in the standings right now, but uh, I think they probably – with the, they have a hard schedule coming up. So I think, you know, t- just really getting them to the point where, you know, the Lakers are going to fall a little bit. We can get into that sixth spot and, and, get, and get some distance between them and San Antonio. Well, it's. I want to address something you said last first. You know that LeBron and AD are both going to come back just to, at the very first time they played the the Mavericks. Right. Like that's going to be the game. That that of course it will be the game because we played the Lakers on a back to back. I can't help but wonder if the minutes thing from Boston the other night with KP is a part of what you're talking about here. Where if they are going to play KP on back to back, some of them if they also then have to be very meticulous with his minutes. Um, I hate that, but I, I, I think that might, I, I just can't shake that. That might be part of it. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do because, you know, apparently none of us know anything because they, you know, they, they set these guys at times that make no sense to us. And then they play, you know, Dorian Finney Smith, 40 minutes. So this sort of stuff is really tough. I, I don't have, um, a good sense of what they're going to do because I I think all of our all of our like logical senses dictate they do one thing and then they do something else and what's worse is because of how they communicate injury info we don't know if it's rest or we don't know if it's Carlisle being silly you know I I, I know from from gambling podcasters that that Carlisle is like one of the three worst defenders in the league about one how he uses the injury report and two how he turns in his starting lineups yeah <laughs> and like and and so it's you just you don't know with them you just don't and know it, so I, I think we're just gonna have to be yeah another thing with Carlisle he tends to save all of his stuff all of his juice for the playoffs no matter what like he's hiding certain sort of actions and hiding certain, you know, mm-hmm. uh, things he does. So, like, I do think he's like, yeah, he's saving everything, but, like, you're not high enough in the standings to really have that strategy right now. But I do, if we do end up getting that sixth spot and we don't have to go in the play-in, I think we can, I mean, how many times have we lost to a quality opponent when we were all healthy? I think it's going to be really interesting to see us in a playoff series because I think they can be one of those teams where it's just like, okay, these this is really the Mavs. 
and you're having KP do a lot more things that maybe he would say, because he doesn't do the screen to pick and roll actions where he was second in the league last year in points per possession. So like, um, I think they're saving a lot of that stuff and, you know, give me a, give me a Clippers or give me, you know, a Denver in the playoffs and see. I like it. Well, all right. We're, we've been here somehow an hour. I've had a great time as always. I'll be back doing this after the game. Uh, it's an early game, which is nice, which means we could all do this and, and get on with our evenings. Um, I hope you guys come hang out. I appreciate you hanging out for the whole hour. I see we've had close to 50 people in here the entire time, which is really something. Uh, this has been Kirk Henderson with Mavs Moneyball Live, and I will talk to you guys in probably less than 10 hours.